Barrios just doesn't have it. What? What? I mean, it was a tough night for him, obviously. I think it was like the same where he had a tough time putting guys away and a lot of foul balls, ran his pitch count up. Um, not ideal, obviously, to you know get the bullpen that early, but um, he's been so good lately, and I think today was you know just a tough day for him and uh, and putting hitters away. Ugh. Oh yeah, that's unbelievable. There's so much hatred in this room right now. I tell you what. That's just, uh, yeah, people are wondering on TV what's going on. Uh, you know, of course, that Mr. That that was John Schneider, by the way, manager of the uh, mm. manager of the Toronto Blue Jays after their 10 5. I what's love this, this song? song. What's this song? Country Roads. I love it. 10 5 loss to the Rays last night. Not the biggest loss in sports, though. <laughs> Virginia Tech slapped, you slapped silly by West Virginia. 33 to what was Who's it? your team? 33 10. <laughs> You're funny, Jeff. What was the final score? 33-10. A lot to nothing. A lot to Okay. Nothing. See, I was watching it, and they were winning. And I, yeah, you were. It was. That's in, why they in, lost, because the, you were watching. the end of the third quarter. I flipped <laughs> it over. I, no, I flipped it over, and, and, and I, said to, I said to my wife, I said, you know, hey, this is a school Barker went to, and we're looking at the, we're looking at the stadium, and the stadium's jumping up and down. And, oh, man. So I blame you for the loss in the, in the fourth quarter. The, the fact that I was watching college football, what would that suggest to you? That would suggest that the Jays game stunk. Probably. Which it did. It was bad. An hour and seven minutes to get through the first two innings of high-quality Major League Baseball. It was great. I watch games until the starting pitcher leaves. And that's what I mean. Last night, Jose Barrios of the Blue Jays was gone after two innings. Seven hits. Six earned runs. Now I'm I'm not a genius and I didn't play the game, but Kevin, You're any not. any game in which the pitching coach has made two trips to the mound before the eleventh batter, what do you think he's saying? He's showing up. So uh, pretend you're Manoa is what he's saying. <laughs> Can you for a second? All kidding aside, uh, Jose Barrios got his you know what lit up last night. He he was not very good. A first of a four game That's series. Nice. Uh, against the Rays, the, the the Jays are now 84 and 66. They're ahead of the Rays in the wild card standing. The Rays are 83 and 67, and uh, the Seattle Mariners are 82 and 67. Kevin, 74 pitches in two innings for Jose Barrios. We mentioned nine hits, six earned runs. John Schneider just talked about Barrios not being able to finish off hitters, which I think we both agree, given. I mean, that shouldn't be an issue for Jose Barrios. But you, we were talking before the show, give me a couple of numbers that just kind of reinforce how much trouble Jose Barrios has had finishing off batters. And what does that tell yeah, you? Yeah, you look, <clears throat> excuse me, it's it's whenever you have a, a season like Jose's had and you, after the season, go home and look yourself in the mirror and say, how do I fix the things that I'm not doing right. I mean, you look at his numbers. Like, <clears throat> he's throwing enough strike once. He's doing that about 66% of the time. League average is 61%. That's a good job, right? You want to get ahead. You want to be able to expand. You want to put that hitter on the defense. And that's sort of what he's been doing. The velocity's been good. It hasn't been up and down. It was good nope. last night. The breaking ball velocity, the, the change up, the fastball, the two-seamer is exactly where you want it to be most of the time. Now it gets to that it gets to that point where it's all about location. 
forget about who's catching. You know, Danny last night was putting the fingers down with nobody on base and, you know, runners in scoring positions when they go to that little button pushing. It's just funny. This is what I sometimes scratch my head about with Jose is as, and I've said this to you a long time ago, before he started not doing the, all the hand movement and, you know, he's more, excuse me, kicked to the side a little bit more so he can just simplify it and it's more compact and he can repeat it and get the hand out where it's supposed to be to where it could break and it ends up going where he wants it to go. I, I just don't, for me anyway, understand how when it falls off the tracks, it's two innings and 74 pitches. Like, it's yeah, he can't been get around it. forever. He like, can't get it back I, on. I understand that, you know, it's the American League East, and there's some good teams, and the word's out of how you're doing it. And it, that's that's a part of it that just confuses me a little bit. And I wonder, when he goes home and looks at himself in the mirror, what is he going to be asking himself? And in the, the, the stats that you were talking about, there's a couple of things that you look at. And, and one of them is, what are they hitting off his fastball? Well, his breaking ball, they're hitting under 200. His breaking ball's been good enough. Last night he gave up a homer on it, but it's been good enough, right? It breaks, it goes most of the time where he wants it to. Now, occasionally some starts in the season, you're going to overchuck right. it. You're going to you're gonna bounce it. It'll be non-competitive. But for the most part, it's been okay. But then you flip the page and you look at that fastball and average against it's 355. Oof. He's given up 11 homers of his 29 off the fastball. I mentioned the strike one. You know, I mentioned the the velocity at the breaking ball. It's the fastball. So when you go home <clears throat> and you look in yourself in the mirror and you say, how can I get that better? I'm not sure he has an answer for that. And that's the thing. And then you look at some other stats this is of the, that sort these of tell the ones you, that, the, that stood yeah, out when, when to he's me. A, when he's ahead in the count and when he's behind in the count, that's sort of what you can tell if you're a pitcher, right? It's sort of what your stuff's doing. That, that stat will tell you basically what that hitter's seeing when you're ahead in the count, when you're behind in the count, how good it is, how hard it is to pick up how tough it is to be competitive with a swing, put maximum effort, getting the barrel to the baseball. I'll give you a couple of guys that we think are better than Barrios on this team this year, pitching wise. That's Manoa and Gosman. When they're ahead in the, Manoa, when he's ahead in the count, hitters are hitting 165. That's really good, right? Mm -hmm. That slider, that changeup, that two seamer, the invisible heater. He can finish guys off. He's doing some things quickly. When he's behind in the count, it's 241. That's still good, right? It's, you have to make a pitch, you're making it. So that's, I don't want to say that's a lead because you get a lead. It's more like, you know, 165 and 215. Yeah, what was Scherzer sure, we were looking at? 215. Yeah, 215 when, he's yeah. bu- when he's behind in the count. So you're looking at elite stuff. And then you look at Gosman. And this is sort of the tale here of if you just look at this stat when you're a pitcher. When he's ahead in the count, hitters are hitting 230. It's pretty good, right? It's mm-hmm. not bad. I mean, it's not Manoa. But that's pretty good. When he's behind in the count, they're hitting 323. That will tell you if you're a Gosman going into a start. First thing you need to do is get ahead in the count, right? That'll tell you it's very hard, too, because you throw hard. You tunnel the split finger. You're tunneling a slider if you're a right-handed hitter. So you put that in their mind that if you just get ahead, you got a good mm-hmm. chance of having a good day against some hitters. And then you flip this up to Barrios. And this is sort of, for me, this is the only stat now you need to look at with Barrios. When he's ahead in the count, that means it's 0-1, 1-2. You know, he's yeah. ahead in the count. Hitters are hitting 290. Jesus. 290. Now, I just mentioned yeah. Manoa's 165, Gosman's 230. When he's behind in the count, that means a hitter's ahead in the count. Yeah. They're hitting 293 off him. 
So really, when I get back to that 355 against the fastball, that will tell you there's really no life to it most of the time. I mean, again, they're winning games when he's on the mound. I think out of his 30 starts, they've won 22 of those games. Right? He's had 16 quality starts. Like, he's had a decent year. But when it falls off the cliff, consistently, how do you get it back on, you know, the tracks to give yourself a chance to at least give your team a chance to win that baseball game? It's just those two stats, right? Ahead in the count 290, behind in the count 293. It's just everything that goes into the parts, for me anyway, I I sort of relate this back to being a hitter. And I always wonder why the Blue Jays guess as much as they do. When you look at a stat just from a pitcher point of view, what's a whenever the fastball average against is 355 that would tell you he's not probably having a good year right it starts sure. with that you want you talk to any coach any <clears throat> pitching coach any manager the first thing they say is fastball command can he throw that pitch where he wants it to go to make that secondary pitch much better we talk about that romano all the time why didn't he why is he pitching backwards throw the heater first so he can get away with a bad secondary pitch that fastball command is the most important part of it. And you flip it around to all the parts that he has with his mechanics, right? It's the, I know he simplified it. He's, you know, thrown it off to the side to where the feet are not moving as much on the rubber, which will just line him up easier, have his finish better so he can repeat the delivery, get it out front more, and have it all look the same. Now, I know he's went through the tip and pitch it thing and the, you know, the, the all the hand movement, he simplified that. I know he's having a bad year, but it gets back to that when you go home. Forget about is he pitching game three. I, we have no idea. He might be pitching game one or well, two. We'll talk, we'll talk about that <laughs> in a minute. It's when you go home after the season, I, I can, can we both agree that this is not Jose Barrios? Like, can, uh, can, I, seriously, I you can look you, me right in the no, face and say that to me. I will, I will tell you that it's not the Jose Barrios they gave a seven-year contract to. But I am beginning to wonder – if Jose Barrios isn't going to be the type of guy who, what's his career ERA right now? His ERA this year is 527. It's in the mid fours, right. I believe. His career, his career ERA is 423. That's, that could be that's Jose heavy Barrios. For a, for a guy you gave seven and 131 to. It is. That's it heavy. Is. And his, that's a big one. his whip is 1.252. You know, that's he walks people. He walks people. Then the home run thing too. I haven't even mentioned that the twenty nine homers he's given up. That's the most he's ever given up in his career. That's a lot. Like right, it's a, and that gets yeah. back to the fastball command, right? It's it starts with that. It will end with that. I mentioned that with a with a hitter. You start with that. Show me a guy that can hit a hater. You can adjust to everything else because you're mechanically sound enough to get your front foot down to be able to throw barrel at velocity. Beat them to the spot. And here's, you do that, you can recognize secondary pitches. How does the, he fix that? That's the question. Here's the other thing, too. Right now, he's tossed 160 and two-thirds innings. And one of the reasons that I, 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 I still think that the contract that they gave Brios is on balance is going to be okay because... I, I get what they were paying him for, but I guarantee you they thought they'd get more than 162 thirds innings. And the thing that scares me about this year is what what were we looking at that stat when we were before we we came on? He said, "What did I say? Four starts of under three innings or something Four like innings, that?" I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what concerns me is mm-hmm. the starts that are bad are really really bad. Now he's already given up a career high this year in earned runs. You mentioned the career high in home runs. 
It's awful on the road, too. It hasn't been good on the road. Awful. He has always given up. You know, 2018, he gave up 25 home runs in 192 innings. 2019, he gave up 26 home runs. In and that was How in two hundred innings. In those two 200 years? innings is That's what I'm saying. Difference. So he's given up more home runs and pitching fewer innings. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it has not. This, this is not. And, and his strikeouts per nine are three point four three. Well, the strikeouts. I, I don't think that's him. It's the. Can he throw it to where the catcher wants it to go? Right. It's the when he does have a good start for me. His misses are more competitive. Right. And what I mean by that is a hitter is always thinking to themselves when they walk to the plate, hit, 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 take. A lot of the times with the changeup, the fastball, the two-seamer, I'm not going to give the breaking ball because he loves it. He throws it more than he does all of his other pitches, and it's been good. I mean, again, they're hitting under 200 off that pitch. So I'll give him that one. But all the other ones, it's that soon as it leaves the hand, and you saw – you mentioned the 74 pitches in the two innings. I think they had two or three at-bats of nine yes. pitches in at-bat. Yeah. Like, it's just a – it's almost like hitters get to two strikes. Nah. It's – you know, he doesn't have the extra gear. The location is not always perfect. So, you're thinking to yourself as a hitter, if I shorten up somewhat, change my mindset of letting it travel because he does, he's not a hard thrower, okay. I can fight it off to – you know, give him a chance to mess up and throw me one down the middle. Kevin, he's given up ten and a half hits per nine innings. Yeah, he uh, his fielding fielding independent pitching, which is basically it's your you know it's the result of your pitching. Sure, nobody plays or anything like that. It's four seventy. It's four seventy. So. Before the game yesterday, the Blue Jays announced that Santiago Espinal was going on the IL with an oblique injury, and who the hell knows what that means. We know about oblique injuries. But John Schneider also said something, and I don't know if I'm surprised by it, but John Schneider told reporters yesterday that if they need Alec Manoa to start in Baltimore with home field advantage in in play, they would start Alec Manoa on that day, even if it meant sacrificing him in the first round of the playoffs. In other words, that they're prioritizing or priorizing, prioritizing, whatever it is, prioritizing home field advantage over having Alec Manoa you in like the playoffs. That? I don't know. Uh, when I first heard it, I thought, yeah, and I, I understand the reasoning. You know, I, I understand the reasoning. I think home field advantage is a good thing to have in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But my first thought is, I know nothing's definite, but my first thought is, okay, what if you start him and you don't win and you don't get home field and now you don't have Alec Manoa? in the playoffs, and you don't have home field. I don't know if you could manage that way. That, to me, is managing scared. But that was my first That was my first thought. Uh, thinking about it overnight and driving in today, I would rather have Alec Manoa start the let playoff me ask, game. Let me I ask, would rather have Alec Manoa start the playoff let, game for me than home field. See, I like what they're doing. I, I think that's that says a lot about their team, their players. They're putting a lot of you know pride in that other parts of their game can make up for the other start 
And they're not getting Maybe they're starts, not getting cute. They're winning the game. Got, they're yeah, winning the game. They have to win I'll with something say this, on the line. As long as right. you got Gosman pitching one of those three games in that in that three game playoff, do you think offensively you can win one more game with whoever else is pitching? Yeah. Uh, we don't want whoever. Right. Against the Rays at the Trop, if it comes, I'm just throwing out yeah, scenarios I think, here. No, I think you can. Or against the Mariners in Seattle. No. To just one game, say so. Say I, we're, we're banking on that Gosman's going to win one of them. Right. We're we're get we're that's we're Gosman throwing will beat Gosman will in beat, there. Gosman will beat the race. Okay. So in that other game, yeah, because you only need to win one. Doesn't matter if you win the second or the third one. Yeah. Depending on when Gosman is pitching. Do you feel like offensively, and this for me gets back to that balance of the lineup. I mean, we we're seeing this till no end. This is why it's very easy for Kevin Cash to run out a bunch of lefties in there because it's just hard in, soft away, hard in, soft away. If you're right-handed, it's away, it's away, it's away. I'll show you in, away, 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 away. That's where it gets back to you. That's why I'm asking you the question. When they said that, I thought the same thing you thought, and then I started thinking, okay, if you got Gossman for at least one of the three, I'm banking on he's winning at it, just throwing it in there that I'm banking on that. Can your offense win one of the other two? That's what you got to ask yourself. And if the answer to that's yes, then you pitch Manoa in 162 when you have to pitch they've Manoa. Scored, they've scored 57 runs in 16 games against the Rays this year. Uh, the Rays have scored 70. But what's that average? It's not a lot. 57 runs in 16 games is 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 what? Three and a bit? Three and a bit. Uh, Three and a half. Uh, 16 games against the Yankees, they've scored 57 runs. They're both they're seven and nine. Yo, 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 yo. Mariners, they played seven games against them. They scored 21 runs. So three. Oof. I mean, it, they, they, look, they're two and five. Against, tough. They, they've, they're, they're two and five against the Mariners this year. They're seven and nine against the Rays. And, they're seven, not scoring and, runs. And, and seven and nine against the Yankees. They're not scoring runs. So they haven't been able to score runs against no, those teams. That's it. They have not been able to score runs against those teams. It's it's, it's that simple. Maybe compare, that's why they think that they need Baltimore. They that's why they maybe they think they need home field advantage, or they have to that's, have it. That's, have to have I, it. That's not need it. That's why I'm talking myself yeah. into. Compare that, for example, to Baltimore. They're eight and eight, 86 runs for. There it is. So, yeah, that that's that's why I'm talking myself into it. You did. I, I I still, and I mean, I guess if if you're looking at from their from their point of view, it it's going to come down to. Gossman has to win his start for you either way. No question. Gossman has to win his start for Absolutely. you either way. And then you, you know, and then you get into the the decision between Stripling and, and Barrios. This is me. I think that decision, I think that decision has been made. They're not telling us. But I think that decision has been made. Certainly. Because I, I think it's going to come down to all the analytical stuff that goes beyond. Mm, I'm sure. That goes beyond. Because Barrios wasn't good yesterday. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Stripling didn't have the best start of the. But it's one inning. It it was one inning with Stripling. I I understand that. You can predict what Strip gives you. Can you do that with Brios? Well, we're at the point now too where, like, we're talking we're talking a difference of what three three earned runs a game between guys like that. A lot. That's that a is lot. a lot. It is that that's a and lot. with what you just mentioned about runs scored against those two good teams, you're not going to want to need that starter to keep them from scoring. Yeah, because you got to figure you would probably have to score. So five-ish we've, runs. We've, we've talked ourselves into we're going to use the two of us. 
we are okay with using Manoa to get home field advantage. I think advantage. it's a must. Okay. That's all. Yeah. I'll, I'll, home field advantage is a must. Okay. For me so anyway. We're okay using Manoa to get home field advantage. And I think, we'll just come out and say it, I'm going Gossman and Stripling as my one and two in the playoffs. I it would be and then, and then, hard to argue. And then game three. Game three, I'm starting Barrios. Well, it would depend but, on when they use Gosman in the season of when, what day right. he's pitching, but, whether it's the first day or the second day. Or but, I'm, but I'm also saying that I've really ridden Manoa hard. But I'm also, if I need Manoa to come out of the bullpen in game three, if I'm facing ah. elimination, if I'm facing elimination. Not me. I mean, he may have, to, he may have to do a Nathan Uvalde thing. Not me. I mean, I have played. That's his career. I have me. played. I have played my whole year to get home field advantage. I've got home field advantage. He got it for you, right? But let me finish. Yeah. I've got home field advantage. I'm facing elimination at home. Yeah, not me. I think all bets are off. I think I, 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 I maximize my pitching. Not me. I'm not doing that. No, I look look what the he, Do- he is the future look of the, the Blue Dodgers. Jays look what the, the Dodgers have done with did, did with Julio Arias. I, I I think you do that. That's to win a World Series. That's not to go to the second round. I mean, they're, they they uh, their chances going into a playoff. Scenario anyhow, what I'm saying is, is what I'm saying is to use Mano- I, I'm talking about it, it would have to be a game where you've taken the lead in the ninth inning or something like that, and you've already used Romano, and and the decision is Trevor Richards, Simber, whoever. I I don't know. I'm I'm just throwing that out there. I'm throwing that out there. But by and large, I think we've talked ourselves into agreeing with what the Jays want to do. And I guess I like you're right. It. it depends on how you play it when you start Gosman. Maybe Stripling gets a game one start for you. Ah. Depend. I mean, depending on mm-hmm. what you've needed Gosman for. Yeah. And I guess the Four other runs thing. would help. I guess the other thing with <laughs> Brios is if you are going to start Brios. Starting. This is the other thing about home field advantage. He's a better pitcher at home. No so question. if you get home field advantage, you are maximizing his chances of having success. So I, I guess it's a no-brainer. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I guess it's a no-brainer. So if it's on the road, no Barrios. If it's at home, huh? yeah. Huh. I mean, it's. Huh. I'm still going to have to it's score. Like a... I'm still going to have to score five runs, six runs to do it. But yes. Boy. A lot of ifs. What do you need to see from Jose Barrios in his next start? Like, what do you need to see from him? The next start's against the Yankees. Yeah, at home. At home. <laughs> if you're, let me tell I'm you this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Is it, is it innings? Is it he's competitive? Is it staying away from the big inning? Is it? Fastball command? I, is it I, strike one? Is it better with two strikes? I need, is it all the above? I need I, to see you keep the Yankees below four runs. Not giving up homers? Four like, runs can be seven innings. Well, I mean, good luck with that. Like I, I, I will say this. There's a lot there, Jeff. I will say this. That's a tough, that's a tough question. Right now, a matchup between Jose Barrios and Aaron Judge with history. I mean, that, that screams two seamer middle. That's what that screams. I would really hope. I would really hope for Jose Brios' sake that Judge hits like three this weekend, because I don't think Jose Brios wants to be turning on the TV all off season and seeing number number sixty two flying off Judge's bat uh, with him on the mound. I mean, maybe it doesn't make it. 
Maybe it doesn't make a difference. It wouldn't for me. Um, anyhow, uh, what else? What else can we? Wit hit two about? homers. That, that's Whit that's, that's a good thing. Homers. That's a good thing. Well, at, uh, on the day that uh, on the day that Santiago Espinal has gone on the IL, it certainly doesn't. I'm not sure it matters. It I mean, it was hurt. it was a uh, it was two cutters. It was 78 and 83. That 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 for me is why you don't read too much into that. He's a windmill guy. Windmill guy. That, that's why every time you see Witt take a pitch, he'll step out bottom hand. It might be the top hand, whichever one. He, he's given that down and through with his hand, like that little snapping, stay on top of it, you know, drive the front side down and through the baseball. And that's why he's telling you that is, is whenever he takes a pitch, it's almost like you can see his front elbow mm -hmm. up around his face, and it looks like a windmill. Uh. Whatever your front elbow does, your back elbow is going to follow, and it just looks like he's – windmilling it and it's a little sit and spin and for me that's cheating to velocity and that's why i said the 78 and the 83 i'm not sure you read into it i will say it gives him confidence running sure. around the bases Absolutely now he's thinking to himself i'm doing something to help this team a little bit tail tail homered last night off yeah, of on the ryan yarbrough yeah yarbrough by the way left the game with some with some discomfort something else with that team i mean i just it's, it's crazy it makes you shake your head Maybe there's something going on there. To shake your head. It's a lot of them, uh, and, uh, and it's a lot of different things. Yeah, and Bo Bichette had had two I more mean, doubles. It's the forty-three now. That's a lot. That's a that's a lot. crap ton of doubles. That's a lot. That's, that's usually, a lot of doubles. That's doubles in the is, whole field, and yeah. And I, I mean, I always throw this out. One of Cito Gaston's lines that I absolutely, absolutely believe in is that if you hit a lot of doubles, you're a good hit. Like it takes a good hitter to hit a lot of doubles. Because that generally indicates the right approach, as you said, using the whole field. Uh huh. Um, Bo's finishing kick this year is something. Like it, it really is. You want to talk about? I wouldn't say saving your year in three or four weeks, but you certainly change the narrative around your year. Two hundred eighty-nine total weeks. bases. That's a lot. That's you know a where he's been throughout the entire season. It's roller coaster, right? It's yeah. it's all over the place, and for him to be able to have that many. A total, you know what that is, total on, man. Bases, that's, that's a the, lot. That's, that's a the. Lot. I I keep getting back to this. Do not underestimate the importance of staying in the lineup every day. If you stay in the lineup every day, you got a chance to save your season. Sure. If you're not in the lineup every day, you don't have a chance to save your season. Uh, anyhow, that's where we are tonight. Jeffrey Springs got nine wins. Jeffrey Springs with a two four five ERA against Mitch White. <laughs> which is essentially bullpen day. Let's let's be honest. Um, but you got to have a longer leash than usual on Mitch White. Not tonight, really. Don't I don't think you so. Don't, you Why? Th well, you, after what, well, like, how many games left? Like, no, no, you don't. Like, they they didn't well, use everybody yesterday. Like, you got to you have to win baseball games. This, yeah. I mean, they, it's a maybe you'll see a little bit of coochie tonight. Oh, fingers crossed. No, but I. You do what you have to do. I, it's it is that part of the season where it is all hands on deck, and I'm sure that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, you need, you know what you. But Mitch you, needs to throw strike one, be aggressive, have good tempo. Fastball command has to be great, not good, to make the breaking ball and the slider better. So maybe he'll be okay. You know, good enough. Uh, give, give him four with one or two runs given up. That's okay. Right now, the Rays are a game behind the Jays. They're 83 and 67. The Jays are 84 and 66. And Tampa, as we mentioned, is a uh, game and a half back. 
Yeah, Vladdy hits a lot of ground balls. You notice that? <laughs> Have we talked about that Man lately? alive. Like, I, every time I watch him swing and he hits a, ball, a ground ball to third or short, I I just see it's, it's the exact I'm, opposite. I'm, 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 I'm as confused about that as I am with Jose Barrios not being able to figure out mechanics. He's been around forever. When you're great like Vladdy is, I just sometimes make you scratch your head a little. I don't understand. I don't get it. Peter Bendix is general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. And, uh, of course, we mentioned yesterday the Rays won the first of that four-game series 10-5. to They also suffered another injury to a pitcher, Ryan Yarbrough. And you know, that's why I said when you look at the Rays this year, there, there's nobody, nobody can complain about injuries the way the Rays could complain well about said. injuries. Well they, said. They just can't. And they don't complain. And they don't complain. <laughs> no. Because they're the Rays and they've got another guy down there in the minors. Um such as the dude they brought up, the the dude they brought up a couple of weeks ago, Aranda, who had the home run. What did he have? He said three runs last night, two hits. Leading off. Leading off. See what happens when you have a guy in the minor leagues who wins an MVP award as a position player two years in Confident. a row, and you Confident. bring him up. did miss a beat. Talk to Peter Bendix about that. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Starting Monday, be sure to tune into the J.D. Bunkus podcast. Weekday mornings at 9 on Sportsnet 590 The Fan or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, we have tickets to give away to see the Jays and the Boston Red Sox on October 2nd. We will do that in the 11 o'clock hour. Jeff Passan will join us for his regular weekly appearance. We'll have Barker's back, Lake Bits, your chance to plumb the depth of Kevin Barker's mm. knowledge and experience. DMs are open. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle. 10-5, the uh, Rays opened the four-game series against the Jays with a 10-5 win last night. Game two is tonight. We mentioned Mitch White starting for the Jays, Jeffrey Springs for the Tampa Bay Rays. And, uh, I mean, you know, stop stop me if you've, you've heard this before, but uh, the Rays, 83-67, um, you know, very much... In the still with the shot at home field advantage in the postseason, mm-hmm. like the Jays, probably need something short of one of the greatest miracles of all time to catch the New York Yankees. Ah, yeah, it's over. But um, it's really neither here nor there, considering where the considering where the Yankees were like three and a half months ago. Uh, the fact that we even we're even talking about them being within single digits of those other two teams it is remarkable. Both the, the Rays and the the Rays and the Jays have just kind of, along with Seattle, they've just kind of kept going on, mm-hmm. kept going on. Peter Bendix is general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, and uh, he joins us on Blair and Barker. Peter, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself again. We we trust that you're you're doing well. I, you know, the, the first question, the first thing I wanted to ask you is, I, I don't know if you have an update on Ryan Yarbrough, but it, it kind of leads to my my initial question, which was going to be, at, at some point, don't you guys run out of pitchers? 
<laughs> well, thanks for having me. Um, and no, no update on Yarbs just yet. Well, we're hoping to find out later today. But it is, it has certainly been a challenging year with regard to really all sorts of injuries. But you know what? That's that's true for most teams, and so that you just have to plan for it, and you have to know that you're gonna you're gonna need a lot more than 26 guys to get through an entire season. Peter, when you see all those things, people getting hurt like this, do you think that's an organizational thing that needs to be changed, make an adjustment? Are you worried about that? I mean, I don't think it necessarily means that we need to make a change or an adjustment, but we're always going to be evaluating our process. We're always going to be figuring out ways that we can do things better. I don't think that the number of injuries suggests that we're necessarily doing anything poorly, but there's always room to improve. There's always things that we can learn about how to keep players healthy over 162 games. So we're going to be looking at that, you know, regardless of how many injuries we had in in a given season. Mm -hmm. Now, I I know that every organization's got different priorities and different focus, but when you're in the position both you and the Jays are in right now, and John Schneider talked a bit about this yesterday where he kind of said, look, if, if, if home field advantage is in the balance, we might use or we'll, we'll use Alec Manoa in Baltimore, and then, you know, if that means Alec Manoa can't pitch for us in the first two games of the wild card series, well, it, it's worth it to us to get, to get home field advantage. How much – I'm not going to say how much planning goes into this for front offices because – at this time of the year, you you tend to be reacting to a lot of stuff, I would think. But it, do front offices spend a lot of time sort of, you know, gaming those different scenarios and, and, and looking ahead to, to what may be? Or at this time of the year, do you just sort of have to roll with it? Well, I can I can only speak for our own front office, Correct. but yeah. it's really it's both. Um, and so much of this is reactionary to what happened on a given day or on a given week and injuries and performance and all of that sort of thing. But also it's our responsibility to make sure that we're prepared for as many different possible scenarios as, as we can imagine. And oftentimes that means playing out a lot of different what ifs. What if, you know, we are in a position where we need to win on the last game of the season to get into the playoffs? What if different scenarios come up with regard to home field advantage or what if another pitcher gets hurt or what if this happens, that happens? To have these contingencies in as many different scenarios as possible, knowing that you're never going to predict what's actually going to happen. But if you can do as much preparation ahead of time, I think it makes the decision in the moment a little bit clearer. Peter, what kind of offensive team is the race? <laughs> I think it depends on the day. Yeah. I think the best <laughs> version of our team, I think we have a really well-rounded group. Uh-huh. And so that means we have some guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. We have guys who are going to take their walks and really work a deep count. We have guys who are going to put the ball in play and run and utilize their speed. And I think we have ideally a deep lineup that maybe we don't have, you know, the the middle of the order guys that we'd love to have that, that a lot of teams would love to have. But every one of our guys in the lineup is going to be a tough out and really make a pitcher work. And ideally we have a lot of different ways that we can score runs, whether that's home runs, whether that's speed, whether that's manufacturing runs. I think that's kind of that's kind of what we're hoping for on a given night. Can you tell us how you guys came about getting Jonathan Aranda, and you know, I'm not going to ask you if you're surprised that he's been able to do what he's done. I mean, he was an MVP last year, and he's an, an MVP this year in the minor league levels. But it seems to me that this is 
this is kind of what we always used to see in the game, right? A guy who progressed really won honors like that at different levels, eventually makes it to the majors, and all, seems to be able to contribute right away. I mean, my goodness, he's leading off for you guys on September 22nd in a game with, with, you know, with implications for the postseason. Tell us a little bit about him because you know, we watched him when he was in Toronto and you know, just talking to the Jays broadcasters and the Rays broadcasters as well. Everybody came away from that thinking, this guy's just, this guy looks like he's been in the majors for six years. I think you, you nailed it right there. He is somebody who, he has a slow heartbeat. The game does not speed up on him, especially at the plate, and he can hit. He's a really, just really good hitter in a lot of different ways. He, he, you know, we saw the power yesterday. I think he's starting to tap into that a little bit. He's starting to, to understand how and when he can kind of unleash his, his power, but he's just a good hitter. He's got great eye. He's got really good bat-to-ball skills. He works, counts really well. He can spoil really difficult pitches, and he's kind of developed that over the last couple of years where he went from somebody who, who was a, you know, a good hitter who could put the bat on the ball to somebody who was kind of a, a fearsome hitter who has a lot of different strengths and isn't intimidated by velocity, isn't intimidated by, you know, left-handers, really isn't intimidated by much of anything. And I'll tell you what, he, he hits the ball hard and he does it against just about every kind of pitching. Ne- oh, sorry, Jeff. Uh, uh, next year, no shift. Next year, the pitch clock. Do you think that will make your job harder? I don't think it'll make my job harder or easier. I think it'll just be different. I think that's going to be true for, for everybody, for managers, for players, front office. I don't think it's going to have a radical change where suddenly, you know, left is right and, and down is up. Mm-hmm. I do think, personally, I'm pretty excited about the pitch clock. I've seen some of the games in the minor leagues this year with it, and it makes a huge difference, not just, not just in the total amount of time that the game takes, but just the consistency of the action. Just the, the amount of dead time between pitches, between hitters, it, it was so much better. And I think that's going to make the game just a lot more engaging and, and fun to watch. Mm. Uh, one of the uh, – when, when, when Vernon Wells was playing for the Blue Jays, for, for, for a couple of years the Jays had a run of handmade injuries that had really you know, profound impact on, on their players. I mean, Eric Kinski had a handmade injury, and it, it, was, it was just – it was really hard to come back from. Uh, Wander Franco seems to have, at least from what we've seen, seems to have come back from that injury. And I know it was kind of a stutter step return. I know there were a couple of setbacks. Um, what's your comfort level with Wander right now going forward? Is he is he over that injury? And, and is it, you know, is, as far as you guys are concerned, is it, is it um, you know, it's just a smooth sailing? I hope so. I think my understanding of, of that injury and the return from it is, you're not necessarily going to feel perfectly 100% healthy every single day. And that's just part of, part of the injury and part of the grind of being, being a big league baseball player. And people forget Wander is incredibly young. Wander, you know, even last year, last year was his first year in the big leagues. He didn't spend the entire season in, in the major leagues. And uh, this is his first, first major league season. He's remarkably young and inexperienced. And I think part of the learning curve for, for any player is just learning how you can perform when you're not necessarily feeling 100% on a given day. And I think a lot of people, you know, 
162 games out of the season, there's not many games that you're feeling absolutely perfect. And so learning what that's like, what you need to do to manage your body, prepare for a game, those are things people take for granted in the big leagues. But when a guy is 20, 21, 22 years old with such limited experience, he's kind of learning on the job in the way that a 27-year-old might have already learned. Uh, Every year is different. What have you learned about Kevin Cash this year? I am so impressed with him every single year. And in a lot of ways, this year has been really challenging and frustrating. I think the injuries that we have had, the consistent injuries, it seems like whenever we get one person back, somebody else goes down. Um, And there's been stretches this season where we really haven't played well. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's been consistent, the fact that he showed up every day, he's the same guy, he's the same leader, I mean, it's something I already knew about him, but to see it reinforced, the type of leadership that he has and the way that he can manage a clubhouse and keep everybody pointed in the right direction through adversity is incredibly impressive. Uh, how important has tonight's starter Jeffrey Springs been to, to this team this year? In, in a lot of ways, he is the un, unsung hero of the team. He moved into a starter's role almost out of necessity at the beginning of the year when we had – we, we just needed guys to cover innings for us. And he has not looked back. He has been, you know, the ERA is really low. The strikeouts and walks are excellent. And most importantly, he's consistent. I don't think he's had many outings where he's not been able to get through five or six innings and, and usually only give up a couple of runs. And he doesn't blow you away with, with velocity, but he really knows how to pitch to change up the slider are great pitches. And that kind of consistency is something we've, we've lacked from our club most of the season. And he's just kind of stepped up and, and done it, even though he's been a reliever for four years in a row. Now he's a starter and he hasn't really, uh, hasn't really slowed down at all. He almost sounds like he's the Rays version of Ross Stripling in some ways. Yep. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Peter, we're going to let you scoot. Mm-hmm. Thanks for doing this, as always. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Great man. Stuff. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Alrighty. Peter Bendix, Senior Vice President, General Manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. I love what he said about Jonathan Aranda, the ability, because sometimes I don't think we necessarily talk about that enough, especially with young players, the ability to spoil bad pitches. Yeah, it's an art. I, I don't know if you're born with it, but you have to buy into it. See, I want, and he's also, now he, he and Alejandro Kirk, Grew up together. Yeah. And I I just find I I find it fascinating watching their approach, the two of them, the approach they have at the plate. Because they really are. It it you know, Peter talked about a slow heartbeat. That would be my description of Alejandro Kirk, too, at the plate. He never looks like the moment's too big for him at the yeah, plate. Yeah, you have to have enough bat speed, you have to have plate coverage. You have to understand your lower half, which is a big deal, right? You don't want to leak a lot. You leak a lot, sort of Vladdy. Laddie leaks a lot with the lower half. The hands tend to follow. You get a little, you know, uppercut in your swing that mm-hmm. you don't want. It's it's just interesting, I think, to buy into what you are as a hitter, right? It's you see everybody else around you taking big daddy hacks. What do you want to do when you go to the place? You want to be like that. You want to do that. You stand on the on-deck circle. You see your buddy doing it. It's like Kirky hitting cleanup. He sees the – he's got Boba yeah. Shed hitting in front of him, taking them just giant hacks, and it's very hard for him to – you know, walk to the plate and not fall into that. Stay within who you are as a hitter. Yeah. I went through that. Like, it's very hard. Jeff Jenkins hit in front of me. 
or behind me. And it was very hard for me not to want to be like Jeff Jenkins, take those big hacks. And I had to say, if I want to be a big leaguer, I need to not try and do that. Try and be yourself. And it's hard to get past that. I, I know that's sort of how you got to the big leagues and you are what you are. But when you're around dudes who leg kick, it's like Ryan Gomes. Remember Ryan Gomes yes. with a leg kick all yeah. the time? Because well, JD, Josh when JD was, was here, everybody, everybody was leg wanted kicking. to do it. Well, everybody can't do it. Because yeah. you can't get down on time. You can't have velocity. I think so, Michael Saunders wanted to do it. Absolutely. So it's just, it's a, it's, you got to, the, the sooner you buy into that, of it's you, you're the reason why you got to the big leagues. It's not because of somebody else. I always wonder, too, You'll Kevin. You'll stay in the big leagues longer. In the case of a guy like Alejandro Kirk, this is a guy who wasn't a highly touted prospect, didn't sign for a lot of money, and worked his way up. And sometimes I wonder if maybe for guys like that, it isn't a little easier because he's well aware of how far he's come. Sure. And, and appearance, too. Let's be honest. Yeah, right? but he's well aware of all yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And his thinking, I, I, I would think his thinking is, you know, I mean, my goodness, I've gotten this far doing this. I've made the, and I think this is the other thing with Alejandro Kirk. I made the all-star team doing this. Mm-hmm. So why would I change? And, and I, think well, I think you have to adapt, but adapt and change is opposite ends, right? It, it's, it's, yeah, how, how do you, true. how do you make an adjustment to me? And what do I do? It's like Vladdy trying to hit the ball that's down. That's a good point. Why, Adapting why, and changing. Why? 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 Like yeah. you, you, you had a bazillion last year doing it one way. Like you got to give them something. Yeah. If you got a pitcher on the mound that can throw the ball down to you a lot for strikes, a a really good strike, you tip your hat, you walk away. You don't make giant adjustments that where you're going to suffer in other parts that you're really, really good at. That's the point. It's the adapt part. It's not the change part. And, and hitters, and especially young guys, have a real tough time doing it. I went through it. I, you know, a lot of people go through it. And it's those ones that let it go in a little one ear, you know, roll around in there, and then you throw out what's not working for you. And the sooner you can throw that part out, the better off you'll be as a player. And you'll make more dinero, which is the whole point in this thing, is you're you making dinero first, and then it's a team thing. So, yeah, they're they're yeah, but you have to have talent too. I mean, the the people that we're talking about have tremendous talent and can do things, but it's those little adjustments and it's how you adapt that turns you into what you can become and that's ultimately what's going to make you a ton of money. Yeah, it's Peter uh, was great though. It's 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 great listening to. That's why I wanted to ask about the shift. Yeah. He's got to tell you everything, but it's funny you it's funny that I'm assuming that the first time they heard that, they were thinking, how can we maneuver around think, but, to use it? I think a lot of organizations are doing oh, that. Oh, sure. Too. Like, it is. No question. It is. Because it's funny he brought the pitch clock up. Yeah. And and their teams revolves around what? Pitching. Well, Funny, and, ain't that? And you know uh-huh. that, you know, it's been, it's been used in the minors. And I would be willing to bet that the smart – the smart organizations have really done a deep dive in how who will be most impacted by it in their staff mm-hmm. and how they go about uh, altering it. But yeah, you have. I mean, if, if if you're the Rays and you're built on on that type of pitching, it's got to be a concern. It's got to be a concern. I mean, what are the what are the or maybe it's a benefit. What are the what are the two things the Rays are famous for? Pitching. And shifting, or back in Joe Madden's days. Mm-hmm. Now, now everybody shifts. The and Jays shift opener. more than, and and the opener. But 
that's what they're famous for. Mm. And two very important parts of that are being changed by Major League Baseball. And I, what I think, listen, I don't think anybody, I will say this, I don't think anybody was surprised. I don't think there's a person in Major League Baseball that didn't know this wasn't happening two years ago. When they put the pitch clock in the minors, I guarantee you, I guarantee you people in front offices started saying, okay, it's just a matter of time before we get it up here. The question is, what is the pitch clock going to look like in the majors? The stepping off, and that that might have been a wrinkle. that I don't know if a lot of people saw that coming mm-hmm. three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, if, if you're the Rays, it's gotta be something you're thinking of. And, and I really, I really think that's why when you look at the guys they have like Vidal Bruhan, they've got a bunch of shortstop-ish guys. And I think you're going to see a lot of teams do that. I think you're going to, you, it would, it would not surprise me if you see a lot of guys switch positions in the next two years. Yeah, Maybe. Mm-hmm. It, it it really wouldn't. And I think you may go back to that emphasis on drafting athletes and outfield to the infield, maybe. Could be reverse now, Could right? Be. Yeah. Sure. But uh you know the Rays have figured it out. No question. Um Yeah. I just uh yeah, I you know, I keep getting back to, to Aranda. I just I just find that you know, another guy who was signed out of Mexico, worked mm-hmm. his way up through the organization. Mm-hmm. And I just like the fact that dude won an MVP award last year at AA. Dude won the MVP award this year at AAA. Yeah. Dude's coming into the, the majors. And and as I said, we, we saw him play in Toronto. He looks like a he looks like a guy who's been here all year. He looks like a guy who's been here for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Completely unimpressed with with uh where he is. And uh I mean that those at bats last night. He was a large part of the reason that Jose Barrios had the issues that he had. Sure. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider. He is one of our Friday regulars. He will join us next. We've also got tickets for the October 2nd game against the Red Sox and Barker's back leg bits. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and as always, wherever you get your favorite podcasts.